Hi, this is Bob Sally from SourcePoint Press, and you're listening to this freaking show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of this freaking show. Weekly podcast, though. Let me something. And a whole lot of nothing. I'm your host, Travis D. And alongside this evening, as always, Aquacolin! Colin. And Geekcast Joe. And this episode of this freaking show is brought to you by Fire Pit Barn Grill of Puerto Illinois. If you're looking for a down-home country restaurant that offers a great beer and a delicious burger for $7.99 every Monday and Wednesday, then you must stop at Fire Pit Barn Grill of Puerto You can find them on Facebook at Fire Pit Bar or at the website firepitbar.com. How you guys doing? Doing good. I'm all right. Nice. Nice. That's good to hear. Um... Colin, I, I know how your weekend was because we got to uh, spend it together hanging out with uh, Derek. But how was your weekend, Joey? What did you do? Uh, it was good. I uh, didn't do a whole lot of anything. I uh, My plans fell through uh, just in time for me to miss out on joining you guys for your plans. That sucks. Yeah. I wish you were there, man. We, we had a lot of fun. It looked like yeah. it. Your, your snaps looked uh, snappy. Yeah, yeah, we uh we bar hopped uh a, a good portion. Nah, I guess not a good portion, but um we bar hopped like Champagne Urbana, so that was kind of fun. Nice. Um, we found um <clears throat> like a distant cousin of uh, Second Street uh, Saloon, so it was really awesome to see that. <laughs> it's a uh, cousin. Yeah, I mean very similar, but not exactly the same. It was also because like it was it was a country bar, but it like. I guess it's one of those bars that's like very hit and miss on like how many people are in there. Like when we went in there, like people came and went, but there was like no more than like five other people in that bar at once. And like their jukebox was really just a computer you could just pick uh, music from for free. Nice. So it was it was a lot of fun. Um, oh god, Colin, what, what were the bars we went to? We went to Clark. Clark. Went to Bunny. Uh, Bunnies. Um. The bar he's referring to as the second uh, second cousin is uh, called the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Nice. The Rose Bowl. Yeah. Um, home of country music. <laughs> that's literally what their sign says. Rose Bowl, home of country music. I and, uh, feel like Nashville as a city would disagree, but go on. <laughs> this uh, this is like this is like the one part of Urbana that like if you walked into you would think you're in Nashville. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> what was the iron one? I can't remember the name the, of that uh, one. The Iron Post. The Iron Post. That was the one we went to go see that band at. Um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Joey, I'm sorry you missed out on it. Nice. Yeah, was, yeah. But that's all right. I mean, the the band that was playing, I think it would be very similar to like maybe some music that you kind of like. I'm yeah, probably. Kind of like a mellow like a mellow kind of thing. Like when I was talking to Derek, we kind of agreed like maybe it was very similar to like reggae, but not so much reggae. It was like. I don't know. It's hard to explain because I'm not great with genres of music because everything kind of sounds just like an alternate, alternate uh, rock kind of music. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> but I know what you mean. This yeah, was the band like, you shared on Snapchat. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They were. I liked listening to them. I don't know. I'm with you. I have no idea what to call their style of music. Yeah. Yeah. Rock reggae, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. They, donkey they had a, reggae. Donkey reggae. Donkey reggae, donkey reggae. All right, uh, it was awesome. We we went to 
sandwich, and we had some fat sandwiches. Um, we watched that movie, uh, The Founder, uh, about the history of Ray Kroc with McDonald's. Um, we, uh, we we realized how big of a dick Ray Kroc was. Yeah. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, if you haven't had an opportunity to see that movie, I would recommend watching it. It's actually pretty interesting, and it kept our attention the whole time. Like it, I mean, the movie went by so quick. I think it was like an hour and forty something minutes long. Like, like two hours. Like, wow. like it was like two hours long, and went by so fucking quick. But like, it kept your attention, and it gave you so much knowledge about the background, about the history of McDonald's itself, and literally how big of a dick Ray Kroc was. Right? Wasn't he the guy? He bought it from the. Uh... The McDonald's brothers for like nothing, and then like screwed he, them out of a bunch of royalties, right? He, yeah, he he literally he literally robbed them, like yeah. literally robbed them. Cause like there was like, a, and I and I like <laughs> at McDonald's, like you learn so much about the history of it, and like I kind of understood like what it was, like when a lot of people say like you know, uh, the McDonald's up in Plains, Illinois is like the first McDonald's, which it really not. It's the first franchise McDonald's, mm. first McDonald's, and uh. Uh, California, yeah, San, Ber- San Bernardino, San Bernardino, California. Um, but like the whole thing was, I mean, like, like they they got to that point in the movie where uh, the McDonald's brothers told Ray, like, I don't want you in this anymore. You know, I want you out of this. And Ray was telling him how, like, you know, you can sue me all you want and you'll probably win, but I'd bury you in so much uh, court fees, court costs that you wouldn't be able to pay him off and you'd be ruined and all this shit. Like, so he literally gave him no other choice but to sell. Uh, McDonald's to him and unfortunately because like you know he Ray Kroc is the way he is and thinks like everything through pretty much told them they couldn't put the royalty agreement which was 1% of um, their profits you know go to the uh, brothers you know Ray Kroc sat there and said listen I can't put that in the contract because the financial people who deal with all that shit won't approve this but we'll do it on the handshake and the honor system and once they did all that, and then Ray Kroc couldn't get the original restaurant from the brothers and everything, he decided to renege on the entire fucking thing. Jeez. Fucking horrible. And, like, it was weird because they, they sold it for, like, $2.7 million, um, which I think when we looked it up, it was, like, $22 million today. Damn. And at the end of the show, it kind of gives you, like, quick details of everything. And the royalties today for McDonald's would have been, like, $100 million. $100 million mm-hmm. per year. it's one of those movies that makes you want to go i kind of feel bad now if i go into mcdonald's and eat it Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like it's like when you're eating like those chicken nuggets like there's more than just the fact you're eating them right now you got like you know like moral regrets now too yes but it was a great movie definitely recommend checking it out uh if you're in the champagne urbana area check out the rose bowl or Clark, um, the Iron Post, and Bunnies. They're all great uh, bars. And they have like a little thing different with each and every one of them. So amazing places. We also went to Hooters, but everyone knows Hooters. Right. Um, you have yeah, some naked wings. Uh, I got the breaded traditional ones. Mm. I don't get naked. Nice. I like the breading. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Breading yeah, gives me uh, gas. So. Mm. Nice. Yep. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> sharing is caring. <laughs> yeah, I did not know that, and now I do. Because yep. no one's half the battle. G.I. Joe. Anyways, we have an amazing guest for uh, for everyone tonight. Um, 
I, I don't know that I don't know how to like to say anything other than that because it's it's a pretty awesome comic. It is pretty neat looking. Um, it is pretty. It is pretty cool looking. Um, but uh, he's ready to come on. I think we're ready for him to come on. So I think we'll do what we normally do: plug our podcast, come back, and uh, talk more with uh, Robert Sully. Hello, everybody. I'm Jason, and I'm Jeff. We're from the History of Bad Ideas podcast. You know what you're listening to right now, Jeff? What are we listening to right now? This freaking show. This freaking show. This freaking show. And when you're not listening to this freaking show, take a listen to the History of Bad Ideas. Where we talk about sports, movies, and other pop culture events happening in the world. (laughs) So take a listen. Uh, We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and any other place that you find uh, great podcasts like this freaking show. This freaking show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Bob Sally from Salvagers Comics. Bob, how are you doing, sir? Doing all right. Thanks for having me on. Good, yeah, good. of course. Welcome. Um, yeah, super excited to have you on here. Um, really excited to know more about the comics and everything that uh, you're involved in. Uh, so real quick, because um, me as a host, I'm super lazy and kind of suck at this. <laughs> I kind of I leave it up to the guests to kind of like, give a description of who they are and uh, you know stuff like that so do you mind telling everyone a little bit more about yourself yeah no worries I am um, I'm Bob Sally I'm the writer of salvagers along with shelter division and Drexler uh, working on a few short stories for anthologies and I broke into comics by I guess just having writer's block and uh, not knowing what to write and watching the you know my favorite sci-fi movie Star Wars and when you see the Death Star blow up I just thought to myself, wouldn't it be interesting to follow uh, a company and a crew that it was their job to clean that up and clean up space junk that's valuable? And uh, that kind of got me out of the writer's block where uh, as simple as just writing down what occupations would be on this ship, you know, a pilot, a captain, a demo guy, a tech guy. And the list one actually went on and on when I first started writing it because I wrote prose. So there was like nine characters there was like nine professions on the, on the ship and i don't even know I, I think it was just divine intervention and one moment i just thought you know like this would probably make a cool comic book so just you know knowing that there's no way that you'd be able to develop nine characters in uh you know in, in an introduction to you know series i i dumbed it down to four characters and gave the ship artificial intelligence so just like uh, you know, we're, we we just like real life, you know, uh, we just make the machines do the work and send everybody else out on the way. So uh, yeah, so I worked uh, on developing the characters, and my thoughts on it was, well, it's probably just you write a script, you submit it to Dark Horse Comics, they love it, they buy it off of you, and then they put artists on it, and you get a load of money. Wasn't the case. <laughs> Found out from uh, you know just networking with other people that were doing it that the, the best way to break into comics was to actually do the work you know find an artist produce it yourself and uh build the following so that's what i started doing but facebook wasn't really a thing so i was on craigslist and uh, i oh, know wow. that colin and uh, joe you guys have significant others i only assume that you've met them on casual encounters no, naturally. Craigslist. naturally. <laughs> but, uh, you know, back then, that's what you used Craigslist for. Like, you know, to find a bicycle and a date. 
but I, I, if you really look at Craigslist, I don't even know if it's out there anymore, you could find a whole assortment of valuable things. And one was looking for artists. It didn't work out for me, so I guess it wasn't that useful. But uh, it, it got the ball rolling, you know, and it kind of got me some visual aid for my characters. And, uh, and it was just a lot of, it took me 10 years to go from concept to actually getting the first 22 pages done. And it just was a lot of time, it was a lot of discouraging moments where you couldn't find an artist and you just figured like, you know what, this is impossible. You know, like I, you, you didn't have the resources that you have now where you can talk to people on Facebook groups and get instant knowledge where if somebody said to me, you know, like, I, I want to break into comics, you know, how do I do it? I could give them like a three-step process on how to do it. And, uh, you know, and it's easy, but na- but back then it just seemed like it was the hardest thing to do. Right. Uh, so, you know, it, it was discouraging. And I, I kept, you know, bouncing around it. And there was times, you know, as a writer, you would think like, I, I have this great idea. And, and I looked all over and there was just nobody doing it. Like it wasn't done which I think sometimes is very odd, like where, you know, I think a lot of times, like even today I'll have an idea and I'll be like, oh, somebody's already doing it. But this was one where I was like really excited about it because it, it seemed like it was unique. And uh, so I, I kept pursuing it. But back then, I, you know, I was 26 years old and just cared about drinking and partying. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to focus on that. And, uh, and then one day, my friend Wendy, who went to school with George Acevedo, she knew that I was writing a comic book. And she went to a high school reunion and ran into George Acevedo and he talked about how he was an artist and he was looking to do a comic book. So uh, it was, yeah, it was just really dumb luck. And I think that most people, that's how it works out when you break in is dumb luck that uh, she knew me writing a comic book and he was looking to draw a comic book. So she hooked us up and and it it wasn't instant right then, you know, he and I kind of bounced back and forth. And then uh, once my, my wife told me she was pregnant, at that moment, I told George, I was like, look, let's just go 100 miles an hour. Let's do this because once I get this first issue done, I'm probably going to never do it again because I, you know, I'll have a kid <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'll have to be a dad and work and pay bills. But, you know, when, when we did it, we put it together and uh, I was posting it on Facebook and it, it, it grew a bit of a fan base. And then, you know, my wife, the supporter she is, she said, well, do the next one. And, the next one we did a little faster and the fan base kept growing and you know and now it's uh it's where it is now we're with source point press which is um you know a, a publisher that i you know a small press publisher but a publisher that when i met them and when i saw what they were doing i really wanted to be a part of what they were doing so um i'm not looking to you know take this to image or idw or dark horse anymore i, I really want to see source point press grow and i want to you know hopefully my titles can help them grow that's awesome. Yes. That's really cool. Um, well, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, usually I was, what happens when I ramble on like that. <laughs> like, shit. I know. And, well, but no, but that's what's awesome because, I mean, like, it's, so when we first started talking, like, I kind of found, like, I don't know how I found you on Twitter, and I'm so glad like I happened to stumble across you somehow. Probably I found I I like I live on Twitter. I just kind of troll on Twitter, but I don't troll like for babes and stuff. I, I troll for artists and podcasters and you know uh, people that I can work with, and you know, and that's what we do here. You know, you're 
you're helping me spread to your audience and hopefully I'm helping you spread to my audience. And that's the, that's the beauty of, you know, the independent world. It's not just independent comics, it's independent podcasters, it's independent distributors. It's a, it's a whole independent world. And we, you can't just think of yourself. You have to think of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, so, because so when we start talking like and I kind of I really suck at interview and like literally like you may think this maybe it's a mistake after you get off this fucking interview, <laughs> but um, but yeah no like because I remember finding you and I think I found like because I believe you have two different uh, Twitters right you had the Salvager one then you have um, your own the my own my uh, my personal yeah. one yeah so. I found it's the like count. It's like an identity crisis sometimes. You know, I'll, <laughs> I'll think of something really clever and I'll post it and I'll be like, shit, I posted it on Salvagers. People aren't going to know that it was me that was that clever. <laughs> and then I'll delete it and I'll go back to my other one and I'll be like, no, no, no. But then there's things where I'm like, this is shit. I'm just going to post it on Salvagers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll the, just the, blame the, it. I'll be like, you know what? I have a service that does that. I don't know. People are like, that was horrible. I, yeah, I, I'm going to fire them. <laughs> don't worry whoever did they're no longer with the company so, yeah. um but yeah but the biggest thing that like that drew me to um to contacting you was like the artwork and everything and the concept that you had for the comic because it's like you said like i mean the, what what you do with this comic it's completely different like you're not so much going like like it's like it's a set hero going after a set villain um and like I can't even fucking explain it because it's it's they're 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 the main characters that are after a goal. Uh, yeah. They're they're after to make money. They're after you know to pay off a debt. They're they're not. And, and I always whenever I tell anybody uh, how I can explain the characters best, it would be like Breaking Bad. Uh, when you watch in Breaking Bad, there was never any ultimately good character and there was never any ultimately bad character they all were gray because they it was, it was real life um and that's what i try to you know shape my characters on is if you think like you know you got these characters that are out there cleaning up space uh, you know what happened in their past that brought them to that end goal like where they're they're now you know space garbage men uh and they're probably just making ends meet. So of course, when they're presented with an opportunity that might be right or wrong, they, you know, they have to make a decision, and it's all about the decisions they make. And they're a crew, which adds another uh, level of that those decisions because one crew member might make a decision that jeopardizes the, you know, uh, the the ideals of another character. So it's it's just like real life. Like you know, if you're in an office setting. Uh, you don't always get along, and, and character character goals might contradict each other. So, uh, and, I, and I think as you know, from probably working in an office environment that I just was draining and I hated, uh, it really made me think like it would be awesome if we could have some kind of space adventure where the characters really are just coworkers that don't get along. You know, like deadliest catch in space. So. Uh, <laughs> It's I, I, I took it and I ran with it, and uh, you know I think if anything you know the, the I'm looking forward to continually moving forward with it to add other characters to keep exploring that. To, I want to add characters to develop other you know other uh, other elements of what it is to be working in this uh, this company called Harrier Salvage that 
you know, they're the leaders in, uh, you know, space salvage and just to see like what kind of CD characters come through to work for them. And, uh, and then, and even the villains, you know, like the villains themselves are, you know, they, they look at themselves as they're the good guys. So it's, um, it's, 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 it's fun to write because, you know, I'm just finishing up right now. We're, we're just finishing up the, the last chapter of the recreators, which is volume two. Uh, we'll be kickstarting that September 4th. And when I first started writing this, I started volume two was the first volume. And as I was writing it, I started enjoying writing the bad guys, the villains, supposedly the villains, these pirates so much that uh, I started realizing like, I'm kind of getting away from the main characters. So I had to take a step back. I had to mm. stop what I was doing and I said, all right, I, ha I have to write a, a chapter, like a, a volume that happened before this because I really need to develop the main characters first. Those are the characters that are gonna make people coming back. But I'm hoping that uh, you know, in volume two, people are getting what they want with the main characters, but they're starting, they also see these villains as, you know, something more than just, uh, you know, bad. I always look at like, you know, Skeletor. Right. He-Man, where they're just like evil. And they even like sing songs about being evil and stuff. And you're like, there's just, there's no, um, there's no layer to them. They are just mm -hmm. evil and they just want to do evil. Uh, and I never, I, I, I always wanted to do with my writing was to, make a write a reader look at somebody who is you know the bad guy and say i mean yeah they're doing some bad stuff but i see why they're doing the bad stuff right so hopefully that comes across yeah that's awesome yeah that's fantastic yeah. that's that's kind of uh that's one of my favorite things for authors to do with characters because there's something about i mean nobody in in real life is either skeletor or he-man um we all kind of have layers and, and we do things for different reasons. And sometimes, you know, we're not, we're not always good all the time. Uh, but we're also inevitably the protagonists of our own stories and everyone else yeah. plays different roles. Sometimes they're the protagonist, sometimes they're the antagonist, uh, depending on where we're at in our lives. So I, I think that's, it's, it makes it, it makes a story so much more true to life when characters are like that. Exactly. See, that's why I love having Joey here, because Joey can articulate a statement to where me, I'm, I'm an idiot. So it's like, so really, I could just sit here and like try to have a thought, and then like it dwindles away. But luckily, Joey's here to kind of go along through it. Um, <laughs> but, but no, it's like so. So kind of like let's. I want to dive in like a little bit about some of the characters you have in here, like. All right. Like just where I mean I I understand like so we had the concept of the of the book, so how did you decide on certain characters? Um, it's when I well when I first started writing it they were they were all human, mm -hmm. and I kind of morphed, like you know I morphed their human qualities into alien if that's even if I'm even able to say that. Sure, sure. I think but, I'm, uh, I'm following. Yeah, but you know, I, I think I also wanted to bring in some true life things to the to the series. You know, even though they're aliens, like I wanted them to, I wanted to to be able to relate to our world. Um, I would say, you know, the when I when you look at Brigby, Brigby is uh, he's a Graxon, and there's and Graxons are they're just 
everywhere. They're scattered throughout the galaxy, and they don't have. And I, there was a there's a reason why they are. They were mass produced by um, a, an artificial intelligence on a planet because they needed somebody to create them. And once they got to a point where they could start creating themselves, they were going. You know, they were kind of killing off the Graxons, but there were so many of them that you know they they kind of dispersed like they just you know went out into space and there was no place for them you know so it's it's almost like you know it was the galaxy's you know humanity or whatever you want to call it in the galaxy to say like, okay well we we need to give these guys refuge we need to give them jobs and of course they gave them the shitty jobs right uh, so you know and that's Graxons are kind of looked like you know down upon uh, they're the, you know, they're the, the lowly workers and, and Brigby's really smart, but that, and that's the thing about Graxons is because they've, you know, through time, they've become these amazing mechanics because they had to work on these, on these artificial machines. They just have a knack for that. But again, there's so many of them that, uh, there's just, they, they get these odd jobs. Um, and you know, so there's that element of the, the story where aliens have these disadvantages and it, it makes i think in and, it, and i don't think that it, it pertains to any one race in uh, in our society or any any people or nationality i think it just relates to some people where they realize you know you um you know you're you're not uh in the one percent you know you're you're with all of us in the 99 percent, just trying to make ends meet and living in, you know, poverty and trying to work your ass off, but really never getting uh, the, the opportunities in life. So uh, I think that might be one of the reasons why a lot of people like Brigby, because they feel for him. They they see him as a, a, that, that tragic character that um, really doesn't have a shot, but tries, even though he knows he's going to fail. So uh, it, that was one of the things that I, I tried to bring to it. And Again, this is my first time I was writing a comic book, so uh, I think that I failed a lot in a lot of places. But uh, where I failed, I learned and I tried to mold around it because there was no going back. You know, there was no like, okay, well, I'll just delete that and start over again. Now that you know, there, there's definitely things I look back into my comic book and I think I probably, you know, if I was doing it now, I probably would have done it different. But uh, I, I like the mistakes that I made, and I, I think that some of them worked out and. Some of them, uh, you know, hopefully the the rebound that I've done, you don't notice the mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm still kind of, I'm, I'm reading over the website here, uh, dirtyplanet.bigcartel.com. I'm just trying to go, like, over, like, the whole about me and everything. And I, I love this whole, I love that the, the story's kind of developing. It kind of give an idea of what happened before, like, the story begins. So you're talking about a galactic war uh, that ended. Do you ever get uh, get in depth in what that Galactic War was about? Um, we uh, we won't because uh, it's it's more just a general war. There's going to okay. be parts that you'll get little snippets of it uh, mm -hmm. in Volume Two. You know, you we we meet the Klandarian pirates and we see that they you know their planet is kind of laid to waste and you know there's mention of the Typernians, which uh, one of the guys on the crew is a Typernian, the big guy, uh, and you know, that they invaded this Clendar, uh, and uh, I, the reason why I did this galactic, you know, this galactic war was because I wanted it to, 
you know, and that, again, this is probably one of my mistakes. Uh, but in my mind, I was like, well, if, there, if I mentioned that there was a galactic war, then at least everybody will believe that, well, of course, there's going to be a lot of, you know, blown up ships all over there. So it's going to leave me with a plethora of jobs for these guys. So mm -hmm. I'll never I'll never run out of them. I'll be like, people will be like, well, wait a minute. How come there's so many ships? I'll be like, well, there was a galactic war. Remember? <laughs> so you know, it, it was. But, but yeah, again, like I think that. Going back, I probably would have uh, left that out, but it, you know, it's um, you just well, try mean, to you, you roll with it. But yeah, so because I, work cause I do think that sense. a lot of people, when they read it, they'll be like, "Well, when are we going to hear about this galactic war?" And it's like, so what I'll do is I'll be like, "All right, I'll give you a little bit." Like this happened, so it gives it gives a it also gives me a chance to flashback. I can mm -hmm. flashback to different things, and I can mention different things back in this galactic war. And, and you never know. Maybe one day we'll do a whole prequel, and you'll see the Galactic War. Yeah, and and that's what I was kind of going. Uh, I was about to say, like as um, as we were talking about just now, was like it, it like it's not, it is something you never really have to bring up right now. Like small things here and there, flashbacks maybe, but it gives you the opportunity that because eventually, from and again, I'm not a genius when it comes to comics. I am fairly new to the whole comic concept of everything that not all comics last forever. Sometimes there is eventually a last issue when it comes to a comic. Yeah. Um, so with this, when... I mean, my, my goal with this, and, I, and, I, and again, I don't even know if it was a smart idea to this day. Um, and I've talked, to, I've talked to people where they were like, well, no, you want to end this at some point. But in my mind, I was like, I want this to become its own universe. You know, Star Wars hasn't ended. Star Wars had an expanded universe. So did Star Trek. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, I've I always loved Star Trek and I always loved Star Wars so much that I was like, you know, if I could do anything, you know, your, your mom says, if you could do anything, what would it be? And you're like 10 years old. You're like, I'd want to make my own sci-fi universe. And she's like, all right, that's cute. Move on. But that, you know, that's what I would want to do. Like, you know, I, I would love for salvagers to, you know, blow up into a whole universe. Um, you know, I, one of the things I always think of is probably shouldn't have called it salvagers. Because there's so many different uh, characters out there that uh, you know we can follow. You know there could be, you know there could be pirates. There could be you know militias. But it's uh, as I think with the salvagers would be the, the kickoff of and bringing people into this universe. Uh, and for me, it was I I always liked that the side of things that weren't the main story. You know, I, I think growing up, I, I always thought, you know, well, what happens after this? You know, like what, what happens when these guys go away? Where, like, who comes through? And I think that that's why, you know, I, I was drawn to writing this was because it was like, okay, imagine, I can't write the Star Wars universe. So let's just, you know, I and mean, that's probably where the Galactic War came from. Star mm. War, the Galactic War. So after that, after Star Wars, here we have a whole company coming through cleaning everything up. And uh, and they're not the main characters. They're not even the heroes. They're the just, janitors. Uh, they're, yeah, they are. And, uh, and if you can write characters interestingly enough, people like us will want to follow them. We'll want to keep seeing where they're going. And we'll, we'll care about them enough to want to see them win, even if it's just getting a little pocket change to pay a debt, not, you know, to save the galaxy yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. it's like um uh futurama is just about a delivery company 
Yeah. You know, uh, I, I, I think that's fantastic. Um, one of the things that I'm curious about, so you mentioned that volume two is about to launch. Um, but I noticed your, your Kickstarter from January was for issue five. How do you have your story set up so that like, is a, a volume, a collection of issues yeah. or. Yeah. I mean, so independent comics and I mean, comic books in general is such a saturated market. Uh, if you're not putting something out, you know, you're, you're going to lose your fan base and you just, you, it's hard to compete. So one of the things that I did and, you know, a lot of people will disagree with doing it that way, but, uh, I, I wanted to keep putting out single issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if I was waiting, if I waited to put this whole volume out, uh, I think that people probably would have lost interest, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. you know, cause it would have taken a year for me to put out a whole nother one. Uh, now where on the flip side of that, I think that I've, because I put out single issues, I think that I've gained a fan base enough and it's also given me opportunities to write other things that I think that once this volume two is done, I think I can wait, maybe not a year, hopefully, you know, maybe six months at the most and put out volume three as a whole and not do single issues. Uh, but I think when you're breaking into this industry, you need to stay on top and you need mm -hmm. to constantly be relevant you got to constantly be putting out that next issue as soon as you can even if like a 24 page issue it takes you five months put it out don't wait you know to put the whole volume out and you know and it might it, it, you're not going to make tons of money in comic books right um where you're going to make money is you know if you can retain a fan base you can build on it and you know you can make you know some hopefully some uh, studios look over and say Look, you know, there's already a fan base there for it, so let's start thinking about maybe a movie deal or an animated series or something like that. But you also have to, you know, you have to enjoy doing it. It's, right. I always say, don't, you know, don't do just to retract everything I just said. <clears throat> don't do, don't do things just because you want to, you know, make a load of money off of it. You, right. Don't, don't, don't make come up with an idea because you think it's going to sell. No. Uh, yeah. Write, write something because you love writing it. Write something because you personally like it. I, I always think if uh, if I don't like it, then nobody's gonna like it. Mm. You know, you it's you have to believe in it. It's like anything in life. If you're gonna sell something, you have to believe in it to to sell it. So um, yeah, I mean, you, you pick something that you want and that you love. And Salvagers was definitely that thing for me. Fantastic. And so how many uh, would you say issues per volume? you have well so we've been doing four issues per volume oh okay gotcha uh, yeah and, and i kind of uh, you know i kind of keep it at that standard i um you know i i know I, you got the three acts but i think in comic books you can get away with going with four comic books and still doing three acts mm -hmm. uh i just honestly when i started doing it i feel like the way that i was i structured my writing it just ended up fitting you know, just four issues was fitting for me to tell a story from beginning to end. I didn't need any more mm. and I didn't need any less. Four was perfect. Gotcha. Gotcha. So a volume then is almost uh, like a one story arc or uh, like if it were a TV show, it's all, it would almost be like one season. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Fantastic. So I've, I've, 
recent. I mean, I'm gonna not, have to send. I'm gonna have to send you guys the digital copies. I uh, oh, that would be amazing. Well, yeah, and and I, and I apologize. I would I would have sent those to you had I known that you uh, you didn't have them. But uh, yeah, I'll send them to you. I, I I always I you know I'll send digital copies to people because I, I want them to see it. And um, but yeah, I, I think you know you would. Uh, you'd get a better feel for it and hopefully you'd enjoy it if you're a sci-fi geek. Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely seems like something that's right up my alley. So yeah, this, this uh, is the kind it. of thing that like I'm slowly growing more and more into. It's like, it's like I tell everybody, like when they come onto the show, it's like when I started doing podcast, like before I started doing podcasts, uh, things like comics, things like cosplaying conventions and stuff like that. I never found a whole lot of interest in, but since doing this and meeting a lot of people, um, I, I'm a huge fan of cosplaying, I'm a huge fan of conventions, and I'm grown into a huge fan of comic books. Because uh, we, we've had, uh, I don't know, Joey Khan, how many different comic book people have we had on our show? Four? Um, Four yeah, that sounds right. If you count, if well, you count uh, Jordan Trosh. Yeah. So, and, and what's awesome is, like, I mean, like, even though we've had, like, a few different comic book guys on like every single comic is different and that's what i love about it because like i'm not meeting somebody who's doing the same concept so it's i mean this, this is something that's completely different than i've ever uh read um i'm really excited to get more involved in it and read more about it uh just for a general idea how um what, is there like a, a, a definitive age range that you're shooting for on these comics um i mean i, I think that probably 12 and up you know, I, I try to keep it 12 and up. I'm actually working on a comic book right now that, uh, you know, I, I got the work from a friend. It's his concept, and we, we started putting it together. And, um, you know, he wanted to be mature, and I tried to talk him out of it. I was like, you know, like, I think that, you know, you want to be able to keep it open to that 12. I think 12 years and up is perfect. Because, uh, you, you know, you want to be able to, when you're at a con, you don't want to have to say to a dad, like, no, this isn't for him. Um, yeah. Right. So you know, and, and I so I definitely try to keep it, you know, risque enough for uh, the, uh, the the older, but uh, also clean enough. I you know I, I try to leave out curse words, you know, do the symbols. Right. Uh, so yeah, you know, that way you know you can you can say to a dad like yeah no it's good or even a mom you know moms are the more the one when you're at a <laughs> moms are the ones where they're like so. Is this safe for him? It's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Well, like, because we've, um, because we had uh, a comic book creator on CJ Stendhal who has a, a comic book, um, Rebirth of a Gangster. And I think that one's more directed towards, uh, I think more like older teenagers, adults, I, I, just because of the language in it. Am mm. I right there, Joey? I would agree with that. That seems fair. Okay. But, uh, I mean, like, other people, like uh, Staunch Ambition that we had on. Oh, yeah, I know um, those guys. Yeah, so I mean, like I, I mean, I could see him like maybe being like in the similar range that you are. So it's like, I just didn't know like if if this is like comic book, like we're not gonna use cursing or we are gonna use cursing or you know if there's gonna be certain graphics in there that you know may, you know. I, like, I mean, I, I, I've seen independent comics where there's um, moments where there's like gratuitous nakedness and right. and, and what, usually what it happens and this is the same thing you're also gonna pigeonhole yourself with publishers because publishers don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, publishers don't want, you know, the scene where there's a naked girl in there because right away they're like, okay, now Kent's going to the newsstands. 
Um, but it also, I think, like it, there's a there's a moment when you're reading comic books where something happens where it takes you away from the the, you know, that imaginary world you're in. Like it, right. it almost it, it wakes you from that. And I think sometimes like when there's this uh, this blast of uh, you know nudity or you know just grotesque murdering and all that, mm-hmm. where you're you're just you're you're kind of if it's not done right. Um, I think that it just kind of takes you out of that fantasy world, and yeah, and and I think that I've one of the things I've I, when I wrote my third issue, I had a couple people tell me that they, um, you know, they were like for, for the from beginning to end, like I was there, I was on that ship, like I just was immersed in that, and it was the best compliment that I ever had, that I really started to try to figure out how I did it. It was like, oh, how did I do that? It's like you do something successfully and you're like, fuck, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I'm sorry if you're not allowed to curse on this show. Oh, no, no, by all means. Oh, no, you're fine. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, you're just like, how did I do that? And so and those are the little things that, like, through talking to other people, as you learn, is like don't try to do gimmicky stuff just to wow people because usually it's going to end up hurting you. And uh, so it's, it's you know, that's, that's, what, uh, that's the way I wanted to do things with my comedy. Yeah, I, and I, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. You, no, I didn't have anything important to say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. So far, neither have I. I mean, obviously. Um, but no, but, but yeah. So, and what I was saying that was, I love the fact that, um, you don't have uh like the nudity and the swearing and everything in your comic. Uh, I I saw one of the previous one of your comics where it looked like um maybe the word shit was supposed to be there, but you used like the label uh the um the symbols and everything. For yeah. It. Like, yeah. And, I, the thing is, like with these comics and everything, like when I think of comics, I think of you want to try to get to the youth to enjoy it more. So as they grow up, they can appreciate them when they get older. You know, like if you if you make a comic that's more for like a seventeen year old, eighteen year old, nineteen year old, like I mean that's all well and good if that's what you're looking for. But I mean I figure as comics, it's like comics. I oh, every time I think of comics, I think of childhood. You know, like a ten year old, eleven year old, twelve year old, whatever. You know, they pick up a comic and they're reading and everything, and they can enjoy it without having to worry about you know someone dropping an f bomb or some you know animated nipple showing up somewhere. And you know, granted, you know, as a you know a teenage boy, I'm sure would love that, but for a general ideas, like you can't sell that kind of comic to a kid, so a kid won't be able to enjoy that comic. Absolutely, no, you're, you're totally right. Yeah. Um. So tell me a little bit more about uh about the artist that is creating these amazing pictures because um, I think I think the, the pictures and the animations is what drew me into uh, the comic itself. And I think that's what most uh, animation is supposed to do anyways, correct? Yeah, so I mean, right now we have um, Chris Jevona is the artist on volume two. Uh, and when I was working with George Acevedo on volume one, George and I, it was a great relationship. and. Uh, and I'm having a great relationship with Chris right now. It was just George. It was, you know, that moment when you have somebody who is like, take, you know, he, he's taking a shot at you. Uh, he's like, okay, let's do this. And um, it's you just feel like you have that brotherhood. Uh, and 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 when I, when I first, you know, Chris and I are now finishing this up. And and I, and I understand, you know, like it's when you you do a volume. Uh, a lot of these artists are like, well, I want to go do something else now. Uh, George actually just he wanted to go work. He got a promotion at work, and he comic books. He uh, it just wasn't really the thing 
he didn't really just dive into it. He, you know, and, and I think that uh, I was always trying to talk him into it to be like, you know, like, let's just keep doing this. But it was uh, it would have taken longer. And mm-hmm. so, I, you know, I think he uh, he kind of was opting out to be like, you know, go and run with this and get the comics out faster. And that, I was able to do that with Chris. And Chris is a very talented artist. And, you know, and Chris is looking to, you know, do his own thing. And uh, so fortunately at this point um i know enough artists that uh you know i've i've i have one to do volume three uh you know and it's i've i've i i get feedback from george and chris because i i you know i want them to kind of stick with me in the process so i you know i've showed them uh the the work of the person that's going to take over and they both agree that it'll you know it'll follow suit and uh you know so we're excited about that and I'm I'm looking forward to getting the, the volume three will be the end of this long story arc, and uh, I think for me personally, it will be a uh, it'll be the end of a long journey that has just been wild and it's gotten me so many opportunities to do other things and and I'm not gonna stop doing salvagers by any means I think what I would probably do is do one shots, uh, like little well, you know one volume stories of these characters. And bring in another character. So, uh, the the artists that I've worked with are amazing. They um, they each have their own style. They, you know, have their own means of, uh, of of doing things. And but what I loved about them is that they they didn't just listen to the script. You know, they uh, there was times where George and Chris will look at my script and they'll kind of think outside the box. And as a writer, I really appreciate that. In the beginning, you don't trust that because mm-hmm. you you know you think you don't know the artist that well but by the time you yeah. get to like the the third issue with them you 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 feel more confident in what they're doing and you believe that they you know they too are like you know what i'm not like i believe in this and i want to see this work so uh it's it's been awesome working with the two of them that's fantastic awesome. yeah because i mean well obviously they're doing great work and everything um so, uh, so when I, I was going through everything, I was going onto your Facebook. Uh, I noticed, like, with the Kickstarter, I looked into the discussions, and you guys have pop figures. They're yeah, they're like uh, handmade custom pop figures. They're not the real ones. Um, I uh, I've been trying, I've been trying to get the you know the Funko to t- talk to them, and hopefully with SourcePoint Press, we'll be able to get their attention a little more. I think just because I'm an individual, they just, you know, weren't, they weren't interested in talking because they have so many other things going on. So I found somebody that did, you know, custom made, handmade, custom made little pop figures that kind of look like them. And, uh, and they were a hit, you know, like people liked them. Um, I, I kind of pride myself on, I'm I'm not, I don't ever want to do anything that comes off half-assed, you know, I, I, you know, there, I've gotten product from, uh, developers and from artists and stuff that uh, I just wasn't comfortable with, and and I would tell them I'd be like, you know, I can't give this out because mm-hmm. my name's on it. Whether whether or not they did the art, mm-hmm. me giving it to them, then my name's on it. So um, I I like I like to believe that, you know, when it comes to me first, I am the quality control, yeah. and and I I mean I, I don't have any of these pop figures because I you know I get them in and I give them out. Uh, and I think that's as a creator, that's one of the uh, the frustrating things is that you 
you give all this stuff out and then you realize you're like, I don't have anything. <laughs> you know, even like a shirt, like I, the shirts that I get, I, I end up always like, I'll be like, well, you know what? When I get the shirts, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get a couple for me. And and then you know somebody comes along and they're like, hey, do you have any <clears throat> in this size? And you're like, uh, that was for me, but hey, okay, you know here, you know. <laughs> but because like you know, I'm, not, I'm never gonna turn down a fan. So if they, you know, I will give the shirt off my back to uh, make a fan happy. So yeah, so it ends up you never have anything for yourself. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, because well, I was looking at the topic and everything, and like it kind of like reminded me. Um, so. I'm on a secondary pod. I've had the additional podcasts. It's uh, just freaking wrestling. Um, and uh, so me and my buddy over there, like we go to like these local indie shows and everything. And uh, when we went to one of the wrestling shows, there was actually a memorabilia company uh, there, you know, just selling off wrestling figures, uh, title belts, t-shirts and all that stuff. And apparently there's a guy that knows somebody who could actually create uh, like, you remember the old wrestling figures from when yeah. you were younger? Yeah. yeah. So he could create those. Oh, and so that's uh, badass. Yeah, so so me and my buddy are thinking like maybe uh you know down the line if we start growing uh, the podcast more we'll start developing our own little action figures. That would be awesome. Uh, yeah, so and that's what maybe uh, I, I so I was looking at the pops and everything. So um I started collecting the wrestling pop figures because I think those are the coolest fucking things in the world. Um I don't play with them; they just kind of sit in the boxes. But oh, I'm hope I'm waiting for this Kickstarter to start up because it looks like that's part of one of the donation uh programs, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really excited for that to come up. Now, you said that was on September 1st or September 4th? That, that uh, September thing. 4th. I think, there, yeah, September 4th is a Monday. It's a, that's, when it, that's when it launches. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I, I try to make these more of a pre-sale because, uh, you know, I, I don't believe in trying to sell a comic book for $15. Um, I think that also that, you know, I, uh, if – I have the fan base that I, I think that the, the numbers will help each other. So I think the more people that um, back it as a presale and that order it, uh, I can keep that. I can keep the cost down. Um, I don't. I don't charge shipping for domestic. Uh, so it's uh, you know it, it's kind of you, you get you get more for your buck. You, you're getting dig, you're getting the full digital. You're getting the comic book printed. Uh, all the different uh, you know once we start hitting bonus rewards and everything. Uh, you, you you end up getting a lot for your money, so um, I I look at it more as uh, it's an opportunity for me to sell my comic that's launching, and it's in a, in a forum where you can order it now and get it shipped to you, and uh, and you're also going to be getting a lot of other cool stuff. That's Absolutely. awesome. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's one of the things I love too is uh, like for for me to be a comic person, my overall goal is every time I have someone on the show, I want to collect one of the comics that they created. Um, but I mean, as as I guess as convenient and easy as a digital copy is, I to me, I don't think anything's better than actually holding a paper copy in your hand. I honestly, I think that's like you have no idea how many people say that, and mm-hmm. whenever whenever anybody talks about how the the you know the print age of comic books is dead, it's like. You're not talking to the people I'm talking to because most yeah. of the people, you know, even with Comixology and Drive Through, and it's the people love holding it. Uh, you know, even me, like I, you know, if somebody says to me, like, you know, will you take a look at my comic book? I'll I'll buy the comic because I, you know, like, they'll be like, I'll send it to you digitally, and I'm usually like, I'll do better looking at it mm-hmm. in print. Uh, for for one of the reasons is. Um, the page turn, you know, like one of the things I, I pride myself on is that surprise page turn. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, and, and you can talk to my artists, the, the, Georgia and Chris. Uh, I'll, I'll tell them to add panels or delete panels. I'm like, I'm like, no, because we, we need that page turn. You know, like there needs to be this because then the, the surprise is on the next page. There's times where I'll, I'll add ads to comic books because <laughs> I'm like, all right, I need, a, I need a filler here because mm-hmm. I need, I can't have that be on the other side of the, the open book. I need to be on the flip side of it. So, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, it's, so when I read somebody's comic book digitally, <clears throat> the first thing I always think of when I see these like big reveal splash pages, I'll end up going back and doing page count to be like, all right, is that a flip page? And then I'll, you know, if it's not, I'll tell them, I'll be like, you need to reorder your pages because that page, you want that to be on the flip of it. Cause that's where yeah. like you, you want people to want to every, every page you need, you want people to want to turn that page. Uh, so that it's, I, I do that all the time. I'm like, I, I need to feel it. I need to look at it. I need to see how it flows. And you just, I, uh, as an editor, you can't, you can't get that on digital. No, absolutely. No. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nostalgia and it's, it's like, it's like everything you described right there. I a hundred percent agree with, um, you know, like I, I have nothing against digital, but I, I'm a classic, I'm a vintage kind of guy when it comes to, you know, certain things. And with growing into comic books, it falls into that category. You know, uh, baseball cards and like, I mean, like I don't, I'm not a big fan of digital copy movies. I like actually owning the DVD. You know, I mean, if you look at uh, Colin's DVD collection, Colin, Colin, you have like what over 300 something movies? Oh, 700. Over seven hundred something <laughs> movies. Yeah, I was don't way awesome. off. Sell, don't sell him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, I mean, like, to look at it is like, I mean, like, I, I like knowing that I have something physical there that I can hold on, that I can touch, that I can flip through, and you know, enjoy rather than have to wait for my computer to load up and keep clicking a button. You know, it, it's yeah. not the same for me. Um, how long, how long is your Kickstarter go, uh, running for? Thirty days. So it'll Thirty go. Uh, yeah, it'll go until October fourth. It'll be, it'll be like, you know, they're the worst things to do. They're, you know, it's, it's, I ask anybody that's run a Kickstarter, the worst 30 days of your life, you're (laughs) just, you're just on it constantly. And you're, you're trying to figure out different ways to push it without annoying people. Uh, There was one time I posted uh, a picture of uh, little guppies uh, eating skin off of feet. And, oh. uh, you know, because you do, you're like, <clears throat> what can I what can I post that's going to make people share it, laugh, think that that's clever. So, you know, there was one time I'm like, all right, I got this reward that's 35 bucks. So I just Google. I'm like, like, I was just like stupid things that cost 35 bucks. And one of them was getting your feet exfoliated by guppies. And. I was just like, that's awesome. <laughs> so I took a so so I, I took a picture off of the of a face of the internet, mm-hmm. and I just you know I I posted up this thing just saying like, you know save save the fish. You know back my Kickstarter for like you know and I put the reward up there and everything, uh, for thirty five dollars instead of uh, you know enslaving these fish to eat dead skin off your feet. And and it was you know it was uh it was a hit like people were sharing it and and then you get a little surge in backing and so those are the things like you constantly every day you wake up you're like okay what's what's today today's <laughs> Thursday all right it's thirsty Thursday how could I stop people from being hungover on Friday 
don't go out and drink today on Thirsty Thursday because then you get the hashtags and people are like, oh, hashtag Thirsty Thursday. Oh, wait a minute. I like comic books. What's this? And it's just like even even if it doesn't work, you're like, what, what's the harm? You know? Yeah. So I mean, you're having fun with it. Yeah. Because yeah. you can't like you can't just keep posting the link. Right. Like, you know, if you keep just posting the link, I think, you know, there's probably algorithms where Facebook will be like, we're not going to show this to people anymore. And I think other people are like, if you're going to do any, like, at least be creative. So, uh, I, you know, for me, I'm always like every day and, and it drives my wife crazy because, you know, just today, like, I, I don't even, you know, I was taking a picture of an advertisement of food on a gas station, you know, as I'm pumping my gas, like, you know, where I was selling hot dogs, a bag of chips and a fountain soda for two ninety nine. And, uh, and I'm like, I run in, I'm like, give me my phone, give me my phone. I got to take a picture of this. And when I told her what it was, she was like, that's ridiculous. I'm like, yeah, but I was like, yeah, but it's going to kill on Facebook. <laughs> and that's how, you, and that's how, like, you know, when you work in using social media as your platform, that's how you think, you know, you're, you start seeing things and you see, see things differently. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so for like that, that 30 days, I'm going to be, uh, I'll probably be, you know, clowning around on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Well, um, so where, where can, where can our listeners find, uh, you know, your comics, where can they follow you on social media and everything? Uh, if you go on Facebook, you can type in salvager series and you'll see our little black and white logo. You can follow that, like it, uh, share it with your friends. You can always go on Facebook. If you put in Bob Sally, you'll see me with my soy sauce t-shirt if you want to contact me, I am always available. It, uh, you know, it drives my family nuts that um, I probably talk to people that I don't know more than them. But uh, I look to try to, you know, pay it forward and help people along that uh, that were in situations that I was in before. So you know, Facebook was a big thing, and I, I like enjoying, you know, I, I like uh, interacting with people that have read my comic. Who have questions about it? I, I just I, I love that communication. So um, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, Bob Sally, and uh, on Twitter it's Bob underscore Sally or Salvager Series. And you can go to social. Um, you can go to sourcepointpress.com. They have a store envy account, and you can buy T-shirts, hats, our comic books, obviously. And um, September fourth, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter. Or you can. Get the link and go on Kickstarter, and you can help us. Uh, you can help us get funded and get more and more good stretch goals and bonus rewards out to people. Awesome. Nice. Cool. Well, before we say our goodbyes, uh, we do we do something a little bit new, a little bit different here on this freaking show. Uh, right before we say goodbye to our guest, and basically it's just free, uh, it's called freaking curious. I'm just gonna ask you five random questions. Um, they don't have anything to do with comics, or they could have. It's it's whatever I decide or what pops into my head. And you just gotta answer them. Simple, easy, personal questions. You know. All right. Awesome. Uh, so Terrifying. first question. <laughs> really simple. Uh, first question is, uh, if you were to have a last meal, what would it be? Uh, Chinese food, wonton soup, and an egg roll. Uh, I love wonton soup. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, if you were to have your dream car, what would that be? A uh, Jaguar. From uh, uh, when, I, when I watched Memento, I always loved the Jaguar that he was driving around in. Nice. 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 Okay. If you were to meet one character from a movie, not the actor, but the character himself from any movie that you have ever seen, who Tyler would it be Durden. why? Oh, nice. Really? Why? 
Uh, he just seemed like he was a really good time until he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd, I'd have a lot of fun with him. I got you. I got you. Uh, other than your comic, uh, what other comics were you into like when you were younger or even now? Um, I mean, I was huge into X-Men and Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man. Uh, they, those, those are the ones that really got me into comic books. I, I started reading the Spectacular Spider-Man and uh, X-Men. I got into X-Men during the Inferno series and just, you know, haven't stopped. Uh, right now, uh, I'll read anything Rick Remender's writing. I uh, love East of West. Jonathan Hickman, you know, he's the, Rick Remender and Jonathan Hickman are probably two of my favorite writers right now out there. In, in indie comics, uh, Brian Hawkins is writing a comic called uh, American, or yeah, American Kingdom, and uh, it's just an awesome concept of uh, if instead of uh, United States going to presidencies, we had uh, if George Washington actually was became the king, and his lineage uh, kept being kings. Uh, it's a, it's just a really cool concept, and Brian Hawkins is a really good. Uh, he's a really amazing writer. Hmm. Nice. Awesome. All right. Last question. Okay. So if there was a dream vacation, a dream spot that you could travel to, where would that be? Greece or Rome or Greece and Rome. Could I do it both? Like, could, I be, could it be like, oh. yeah, could it be one of those Greece, yeah. Rome vacations? Uh, <laughs> I've it, always, I've always wanted to go to Greece and Rome. Uh, probably more Rome. If I had to pick one Rome. You, Rome is you, awesome. You could, you could choose both, but it has to be one of those hiking Kind oh, of trips, you know, like a backpacking through Europe. Universal Studios. You just go. Uh, what's it called? I don't want to hike. hike. My wife wants to go. She wants to go like safari, and I'm like, I don't want to become like. I want to stay on top of the food chain. Like, don't take me to the African <laughs> safari where I become like lower than the top of the food chain. So uh, I don't like hiking. I don't like the safari. I don't like being in a tent. We don't need to be intense anymore. Yeah. Well, see, what it sounds like is, I mean, if she wants to do a safari and then you want to go to, you know, Europe over there and then you have kids, literally you can do all that at Disney now. You got Epcot, you got yeah. the Animal Kingdom, the Magic Kingdom. It's literally, yeah, Disney, I think, is your answer at that point. Yeah, all right. So, you know what, Disney, for the family. <laughs> for the family. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Bob, thank you so much for coming on our show. Um, I really want to. Absolutely. And I want to do this again. You know, when – when the Kickstarter is over, I want you to come back on so we can talk more about this. Hey, um, I'll be on here anytime you guys want. Perfect. That's what I'm excited to hear. Uh, yeah, so make sure you guys uh, follow him on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, make sure you check out his comic and everything. Uh, I'm really excited to read it myself, and I'm really excited for this kick, uh, Kickstarter to start so I can start collecting my hard copy books. Um, we are going to plug a podcast, and we'll be right back. What up, everybody? It's Razor. This is Fear. And MDI. And we are Fifth Cast, the premier show of the FYFC Podcast Network. We like to talk. Hell, we'll talk about anything. World events and personal stories. Technology and pop culture. And once even, pterodactyl porn. Seriously, that's a thing. Google it. New episodes are available every Friday on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Also, subscribe to the video podcast on youtube.com slash FYFC podcasts. I'm not sure why you were yelling, but that was excellent. Now, fuck your face and back to the show. We said normal voice. I know, but I like that one. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, so yeah, so that was Bob Sally. Make sure you guys follow him on social media and you go to uh, his websites and everything. The links are on his social media as well, so make sure you check that out. Um, because of the great conversation we had with him, uh, it kind of dragged uh, the show a little bit longer than expected, which isn't a bad thing. I'm not saying it is. I'll not at all, especially this, when but... the guest is so uh, engaging. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, so. What we're going to do, and Joey, I know you're going to be totally okay with this. We're probably going to push your award announcement to next week. I'm heartbroken, yeah. but I think I'll live. <laughs> yeah, and it's not because we don't want to do it tonight. It's because um, our uh, production editor uh, is kind of anal about the excessive time that he has to spend listening to our show um, because he's like that when it comes to editing. <laughs> and obviously, since we're all, already over the hour, he's probably already going to be pissed. But I am not going to end the show until we do Colin's segment because it's part <laughs> of the show. And damn it, I'm not going to get rid of it. <laughs> damn straight. Um, you tell Fuck him. yeah. So, uh, Colin, uh, whenever you're ready, it is now uh, your time to take over the show and do what you do. Okay. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, another segment of This Frickin' State of Mind. You know, it's that little segment of our show where we go through each state of the U.S. 50 states and we say some facts about those states in alphabetical order. Um, last week, we ended with the great state of South Carolina. That pushes us right onto the great state of South Dakota. You know, that one where sculpture Gutzon Borglum began drilling into the 6,200-foot Mount Rushmore in 1927. Creation of the Shrine to Democracy took 14 years and cost a mere $1 million, though it's now deemed priceless. Um, along with that, the faces of George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abe Lincoln are sculptured into the Mount Rushmore's uh, face and is the world's greatest mountain carving. Uh, fossilized remains of life 50 million years ago have been arranged in unusual forms which is which is Lamon's mark of distinction at the world's largest petrified wood park um i've actually been to south dakota i've actually been to both rushmore and this petrified wood park um, really yes which one it's, did you enjoy more uh <laughs> well i was young so i mean I was petrified kind of, wood park <laughs> it's kind of weird. Is the word park in wood, it? I was just like, just like these are all just stones. <laughs> cool. But now actually seeing that that's actually wood, like real actual wood, not just mm -hmm. rocks. <laughs> it, it kind of is cooler now. Nice. Um, perhaps the most significant fur trade slash military fort on the Western American frontier, Fort Pierre Chateau was the largest, almost 300 square, 300 foot square, and the best equipped trading post in the northern Great Plains, built in 1832 by John Jacob Astors, who lived from 1763 to 1848. The American Fur Company, as part of its expansion into the upper Missouri region, the trading activities at the site exemplified the commercial alliance critical to the success of the fur business. Uh, Jack McCall was tired, convicted, and hanged two miles north of Yachton in 1877 for the shooting of Wild Bill Hickok. He w is buried in an unmarked grave in the Hankton Cemetery. 
Uh, the site of a rich gold strike in 1875, Deadwood, retains its mining town atmosphere. While Deadwood is one of the most highly publicized mining towns of the trans-Mississippi West, much of its fame rests on the famous and infamous characters that pass through. Uh, Bell Forge uh, is a the geo- geographical center of the U.S. of America. The U.S. of America. Wow, I'm stupid tonight. <laughs> the United States of America. <laughs> Either way is right. It just sounds really weird. It um, does sound weird. That, <laughs> yeah. Designated in 1959 and noted by an official marker and sheep herders monument called the Stony, called a Stone Johnny. Uh, Clark, South Dakota is the potato capital of South Dakota. Uh, Clark is home to the world's famous mashed potato wrestling contest that's interesting uh travis would like that wrestling some mashed potatoes i love both (laughs) huge fan of both right in 1803 u.s president thomas jefferson purchased the louisiana territory from france a real estate deal that at the time doubled the size of the u.s uh custer state park is home to a herd of 1,500 buffalo, free-roaming bison, sorry, bison. Bison can weigh as much as 2,000 pounds. Historically, the bison played an essential role in the lives of the Lakota, or Sioux, who relied on the Tonka for food or clothing and shelter. So, I mean, back then, that's what they needed to survive. Um, luckily there are still bison alive, uh, left and they are actually quite a sight to see when you're out there. Um, even when they're blocking your road, so you can't drive. They are amazing. (laughs) It was actually pretty funny. Uh, one morning we woke up at our hotel and heard that a bison threw a photographer up into the tree (laughs) because, uh, he went and disturbed them. So (laughs) jeez. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I lost my spot. Uh, Jewel Cave is the third longest cave in the world. More than 120 miles of passages have been surveyed. Calcite crystals that glitter when illuminated give the cave its name. Hmm. Uh, with, with more than 82 miles of mapped passages, Wind Cave contains the world's largest display of rare formations called boxwork. Uh, here's another one that we stopped at when we were uh, back in the day. The Crazy Horse Mountain Carving, now in progress, will be the world's largest sculpture, uh, standing at 563 feet t- high and 640 feet long, carved in the round. Uh, it is the focal point of an educational and cultural memorial and two and four North American Indian. Um, pretty much what I've seen when I back there, I actually, when we saw this, um, it's for an Indian called crazy horse. And I mean, this was years ago, but it doesn't seem like there's been much progress on it. Can't really remember how much was done when we were there, but I mean, obviously it, it takes a lot of funding and it's going to take a lot of time to get it right. So 
it will be i would hopefully love to see it before uh my time on this earth perishes i would love to see that finished um the badlands national park consists of nearly 244,000 acres of sharply eroded butts buddies b u t t e s butts yeah butts yeah for sure yeah I doubt it's like what you, what's on your ass or what is your ass I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Pinnacles and spires blended with the largest protected mixed grass prairie in the U.S. Uh, Badlands National Park contains the world's richest uh, oligocene epoch fossil beds, dating 23 to 35 million years old. Uh, Sage Creek Wilderness is the site to the reintroduction of the black-footed ferret, the most endangered land mammal in North America. Uh, <coughs> the name Black Hills comes from the Lakota word Pahasapa, which means hills that are black. Seen from a distance, these pine-covered hills, rising several thousand feet above the surrounding prairie, appear black. In... 1898, the first commercial timber sale on the federal forested land in the U.S. was authorized in the area of Jim and S. Creek near the town of Nemo. The Mammoth site of Hot Springs contains the largest concentration of Columbian and woolly mammoth bones discovered in their primary context in the world. This national natural landmark is the only ensue bones left as found display of fossil mammoths in America. Sioux Falls exists as a city today because of the land specters, speculators who staked town site claims there in 1856 came in search of the cascades of the Big Sioux River. Um, here's another one that I've been to. Uh, Mitchell is the home to the world's only corn palace it is a palace that is decorated with corn on the entire outside of it it is quite a sight to see um different colors of corn and like i said if you ever get a chance go to mitchell see a really weird uh corn palace uh the flaming fountain of, on south dakota state capital lake is fed by an artesian well with natural gas content so high that it can be lit the fountain glows perpetually as a memorial to all veterans the silent guide monument in philip was built in the late 1800s by sheep herder a sheep herder to mark the water hole that never went dry uh, made of flat stones the guide originally stood 14 feet high and could be seen as far as 35 miles away the anne hathaway and yeah, Anne Hathaway Cottage at Wessington Springs is the only structure in the Midwest U.S. that features a thatched roof. The cottage is styled after the original Anne Hathaway home in England. Uh, Henry Holland uh, built an English-style mill in Millbank in 1886, three years before South Dakota became a state. Until 1907, it was used by settlers to grind wheat, corn, ends to saw wood. The first and oldest Dakota Daily Newspaper published in 1861 
is the Yankton Daily Press and Dakota Ten. And for our last fact of the great state of South Dakota, you have the Meridian Bridge, which was built in 1924, was the first structure built across the Missouri River in South Dakota. So thank you all for joining me in another segment of this freaking state of mind. Please come back next week to join us for our next day. Back to you, Travis. Well, thank you, John. Joey, what you freaking on this week? I am freaking on Gen Con, which is coming up this week. Uh, I'm going to be heading down to Indianapolis on Wednesday. Uh, have a nice uh, dinner with some friends. And then I'm uh, going to be spending the week playing board games and uh, doing some reviews of board games. And uh, just uh, having a good time generally in Indianapolis. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. How about you, Travis? What are you uh, freaking on this week? <laughs> Sorry, Freudian <Yeah>. slip. <laughs> uh, no, it's cool, man. Uh, I'm actually sad because, um, as I found out last week, um, I'm uh, starting a new position at my job. Uh, so I'm excited to do that. It's going to be a new challenge, a new adventure for me uh, there. But the best part is it's going to move me to a day shift to where we could finally uh, do our shows during the week again. So I'm really excited to do I know. So I'm excited to do that. And not only you know, does that mean our shows are going to happen during the week rather than here on Sunday nights, but that means I can also find time to be on GeekCast Live. I can find time to be on FearCast. I can get on uh, Geek Day Pod. And I can also uh, talk with uh, fellow podcaster uh, Ro on uh, his show. So... The opportunity not only is great for me, uh, both financially and professionally for uh, my work-related life, but it also benefits me more uh, with podcasting because it opens up the opportunity to get more involved in the other shows that I've been trying to get into. And unfortunately, with scheduling of work and shit, I'm unable to. Awesome. So all around, all around uh, good things. Um, it's true when they say that, you know, no matter how hard something feels, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you know, the, you know, there's, there's always a darkness for the storm or whatever the fuck it is, you know, anything, you know, there's a silver lining to every dark cloud. All that shit is true. You know, you never give up hope. You never give up faith. And eventually good things going to happen. Or like in the TV show, my name is Earl that I'm currently watching on Netflix. It's all about karma. <laughs> put, you know, put good out, get good in, you know? Sure. Um, so I'm excited about that. You know, a lot of, uh, a lot of new and different opportunities happening. Um, Colin, what about you? What are you freaking on this week? I'm freaking on the fact that PlayStation offers amazing deals to uh, PlayStation Plus members. Um, this month, every month, if you don't know, you they offer different games for free to download for PlayStation Plus members. And this month, they're offering uh, Just Cause 3, which is a fairly new game. Um, believe it's still at full price of $60, but I mean, I played the first one. It's a great game. And just to see that they have the ability to offer this game for absolutely free just blows my mind. Um, yeah. And I got to play that soon. So that's yeah. what I'm freaking out. Sweet. It's awesome. Man. Yeah. Super exciting. Super exciting stuff. Yeah. Um. Shit. I think I think that's it, right? Sounds about it. 
Yeah. Hey, Joe. Yes. Every week our listeners can catch Geekcast Show here on this freaking show, but obviously one hour of Geekcast Show isn't enough for an entire week. So what can they do to get more Geekcast Show? If you need more Geekcast Joe, you can find me over at the Geekcast Live podcast at gcl.ninja. You can also find us on Facebook, iTunes, Google Play, and Twitter by searching Geekcast Live. Nice. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you tune in next week to find out not only who our Follow Your Star Award recipient is, but also to find out who the winner is of our freaking flicks from last week uh, between uh Geekcast Joe, Aqua Khan, and the vengeful Jedi himself, Clint. Um, those announcements will be made next week. Um, you know, once again, I want to thank Bob uh, Bob Sally to be here on our show. Um, check out his comic book. Check him out on social media. Make sure you follow us on social media, too. You can find this freaking show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by searching this freaking show. You can also go to our website, thisfreakingshow.com, where you can see a list of all the guests, all the amazing guests we have on for comic book creators, to uh, music, uh, musicians, to other fellow podcasters, such as the host, uh, GCR, and Rob Bass from Geekcast Live. As always, I am Travis Deep. I'm Awkward Colin. And I'm Geekcast Joe. Thank you for listening to another episode of this freaking show. I'm out. <laughs>